will, turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This past week, I read two separate articles, one from the Huffington Post and I think one from the New York Times, regarding the problems that churches are having with sodomy or homosexuality and same-sex marriages. The focus of one of the, old, uh, of the articles was Joel Osteen, who said that the church is going to have to uh, love and accept people of same-sex marriages and homosexuals. Okay? Joel Osteen and I disagree on a number of other things also. Okay? You all who know me well know my position on homosexuality. It's sin, as is adultery, fornication, murder, theft, speeding, overeating, smoking, drinking, and any number of other things. The Bible lists them all carefully for us. You also know that I love sinners. Okay? Because everybody I know is one. Whether it's the sin of homosexuality or any other sin, we're all sinners. And Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. And I want people to know that I'm his disciple. So I'm going to love you, whatever your sin, but I'm not going to hesitate to name your sin when the Bible discusses it, okay? Or when the Holy Spirit prompts me to say something about it. In Psalm 119, we find an acrostic poem. The first eight verses begin with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. The second eight verses begin with the next, uh, with the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Beth, A, B. That makes sense, doesn't it? <clears throat> makes you wonder if we have similar alphabets. And uh, I, and a week or so ago we discussed the first eight verses. This morning we want to look at the second eight verses. Stand with me out of respect for the Word of God as we read. You follow along as I read aloud. Verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Let's pray together. Father, bless your word this morning. And give me the words to say as I attempt to to expound upon it. So I try to teach what you've been trying to teach me. Dear Lord, I pray that your name would be glorified in all that we say and do. I pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. 
God bless you. You may be seated. One of the illustrations used in the articles was the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention was started to protect slavery in the southern states. And they said just as people have changed their interpretation of scriptures to say that slavery is now wrong, it's not supported by scripture, we, have also, we are also going to have to change our interpretation of scriptures regarding homosexuality and same-sex marriage. Well, I'm sorry, but that ain't happening. Actually, slavery is biblical. Did you really say that, Brother Casey? I really said that. The Bible discusses it quite clearly and quite extensively. If you have a slave, you may keep them for seven years. The seventh year, they go free. And you pay them while they are serving you. Either they work to repay a debt or at the end of their servitude, you give them money. If they choose to, they can come to your house and you will take an awl and poke it through a hole through their ear and they will become a what's called a love slave, a love servant. Somebody who serves you because they delight in serving you. And you continue to pay them. You say, Brother Casey, that sounds like working for somebody. Well, duh. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you have the right to own another individual. One of the problems that husbands have is sometimes they take that verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, I think it is. Uh, not the one, husbands love your wives, but the one that says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Yeah. But that verse is talking about submitting to your husband the way the church submits to Christ. And we already know that that submission is voluntary because not all churches choose to submit to Christ. Right? Amen. I'll say it whether you do or not. Amen. Let's look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? You could also substitute in there young woman or middle-aged man or middle-aged woman or old man or old woman. Wherewithal shall a person, man or woman, cleanse his way? Whoa, wait a minute. That implies that my way needs cleansing. Well, duh. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us walk properly in the way. that Christianity in the early days of the church, the first century, was called the way. There's now a group that calls themselves the way that are <clears throat> somewhere off in far left field. Okay, They're not the way. But Jesus said to the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
And the book of Acts talks about uh, Paul going after people who were in the way and others who, who lived in the way. The way of walking with God, obedience to the Scriptures. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? I'll tell you how. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. By listening to the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 uh, says, Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, but that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Do you know how to sell a car? Well, apparently, Detroit thinks that you have to stand a half-dressed woman, a, a lovely white half-dressed woman beside it, perhaps to distract buyers from the defaults and the defects in the car. You say, what do you mean, Brother Casey? I mean, some of them have design flaws. I'm not talking about the kind of design flaw that I find in my coveralls and my overalls. Okay, I, I had a pair of overalls. I finally gave them to my wife and she cut them up. But a pair of overalls, they had a design flaw. The buttons and the buttonholes on the sides were this far apart. Okay? I mean, that's obviously a design flaw. And no way you can button buttons that are this far apart on the sides of your overalls. No, I'm talking about design flaw like in the Chevy Venture long in the 2000. Five, six, three, four, five, six, seven series where when you roll the windows up, power windows, you roll them halfway up and they stick because the glass does not curve properly. Design flaw. Okay? But the automobile industry thinks that you can sell cars by putting scantily dressed women beside them or inside them. That's crazy. Or maybe not. It's just part of the corruption that's in the world through lust. The Bible's quite clear. Flee fornication. Do we flee? No. We watch it on TV. We watch it at the movies. We see it on the street. We, we even see it occurring within people in the church. The Bible is quite clear about it. Sex is for marriage between the two individuals, okay? Sex outside of that marriage bond is adultery or fornication. You say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is it destroys your ability to love. It destroys your ability to respond to love. The book of Proverbs says that. Man that commits fornication destroys his own soul, his ability to think clearly and his ability to act rationally. Destroys his soul. You say, Brother Casey, I know a bunch of people that are doing it, and they're not irrational. Duh, if they're doing it in violation of the Word of God, that's irrational. Do you know that your way needs cleansing? It does. And the only way to cleanse it is to take heed according to the Word of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Read the Bible. I am so grateful that God didn't leave the Bible in Hebrew and Greek. 
I studied Greek in college. Six semesters. Only got four semesters of credit. Say, why? Because I'd take the first two semesters over again. That's why. It is not an easy language. You say, what did you learn from it? I learned where to find out what I need to know. Okay? I got the books and the resources to look up any Greek word and find out what it means and what it's supposed to mean and how it's used. Okay? Took me six semesters to learn that. You say, have you ever taken Hebrew? No. Why not? Because it's harder than Greek. And when I learned Greek, I learned where to find what I need to know about Hebrew. You see, graduating from high school knowing everything. Spent my first year in college learning that I didn't know everything. In fact, I didn't know hardly anything. Spent the next three, four years learning how to find what I needed to know. Graduated from college and began my education. Okay? If you send your kids to college or to school to get an education, you're wasting your time and wasting your money. Okay? Send them to college to learn where they can find what they need to know. Because you don't really start getting educated until you get out here in the world and get beat up a few times. Get cheated once or twice. Get run over a few times. Then you begin to get an education. Verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Do you actively seek God? Do you actively seek a relationship with God? Because if you don't, you are prone to wander. One of the great hymns of the faith says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord, the God I love. There are so many distractions. So many things going on. So, so many channels with nothing to watch. Have you all noticed that? Wow. Maybe not nothing to watch. Nothing really worth watching. But we like to be entertained. We like to be amused. The word muse means to think. Put an A in front of it, and it means not think. That's what amusement is. It allows you to sit and not think. And while you are not thinking, the devil is planting thoughts and ideas and precepts and principles in your mind that will ruin your life because he is known as Abaddon, the destroyer. The destroyer. That's what he delights in most. Wrecking people's lives. Do you actively seek God? Whoa. It takes effort. It takes effort. It takes discipline. What do you mean discipline? I mean spiritual discipline. Get up every morning and read the Bible before you start your day. Spend time in prayer before you... Hit the streets. Spend time teaching your children the Word of God before they head off to school where they're going to be taught a lot of other things. Some of them contrary to the Word of God. Can I recommend that you, if you have internet access, 
that you get on YouTube and Google or search in YouTube, Dr. David Otway, O-T-W-A-Y, Ray, W-R-A-Y, okay? He is a quantum algebra professor, specialist, okay? He has some incredible lectures on there. I listened to three of them this past week. When he got to talking about this man in Oxford who discovered that when you speak to water, it gives off light, I was very intrigued and had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, it's going way over my head. But it is a provable fact. And in Genesis chapter 1, it says, The earth was without form and void, and there was water all over the surface. Because when God caused the dry land to appear, he separated the water from the water. But what did he do before he did that? Before he ever created the sun, moon, and stars, God said, Let there be light. And the voice of the water caused the molecule, the voice of God caused the molecules in the water to begin to activate, and they produced light. And I heard that, and I thought, wow. Do you think maybe God knows something about physics? Is it possible that God knows something about quantum algebra? Is it possible that God knows something about science? And he wrote it down for us. I'm glad he wrote it the way he did. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And the evening and the morning were the first day. I'm glad he said it like that. Because if he'd explained it in algebraic terms, I'd still not know what Genesis chapter 1 and 2 said. And I took algebra. Miss Holmes. Anybody old enough to have gone to Festus and remember Miss Holmes? Wasn't she a fun teacher? Oh, my goodness. Miss Holmes. The rumor was she got left at the altar as a young girl and never married and hated men and boys both ever after. Okay. At least that was our excuse for not getting A's in her class. <coughs> All us guys. Uh, but, uh, man, she taught algebra. She loved algebra. Do you know that your way needs cleansing? Do you actively seek God? Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you know any of the word of God? One of the things we do on Sunday morning in the adult Sunday school class is we quote ten verses. Same ten, week after week. We did... Ten verses, uh, the first uh, a year and a half, and then uh, last year, or early this year sometime, we switched over to another ten verses. So that if you're in the, the adult class and you've said these verses every week for, for months, you know most of them. Okay? And the Scripture says here that we are to hide God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. That's part of the pledge to the Bible. 
I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Both sections of that pledge are taken from Psalm 119. This is from verse 11. You say, why would you want to hide God's word in your heart? Well, because if you hide it in your mind, you get Alzheimer's, you might lose it. Okay? If you suffer from senile dementia, dementia, you, you might not be able to remember it if you just hide it in your mind. Oh, I'll never forget going to see Mrs. Frances Bailey in the nursing home. 95 years old. Her daughter visited her twice a day, every day, morning and afternoon. And I walked in to see her, and I, I introduced myself. I introduced myself to her every time I went to see her while she was in nursing home. She never did know who I was. And I introduced myself, and she said, Oh, yes, I remember you. You were the sweetest boy. And I'm thinking, were? <laughs> were? I was still a boy. I wasn't but 30-something. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, I, I said, uh, has, and I named her daughter, has she been here to see you today? And she said, I haven't seen her for a long, long time. I'm thinking, oh, Okay. And I named her other daughter and said, have you heard from her lately? And she said, now who is she? Okay. So I asked her about her son. I knew all three of them. And I asked her about her son. And uh, she said, no, he must be really, really busy on the farm. Well, I can go ahead and tell you he wasn't working on the farm anymore, hadn't for the last 30 years of her life. And uh, so, uh, wow, I knew that wasn't true. And so we conversed, and I told her what was going on in the church and in my life. And then I said, Miss Bailey, do you know Jesus? And her face lit up, and she said, oh, yes, I met him when I was 10 years old or 9 years old, something like that. She named the place. She named the time. She named the service she was in. It was a revival meeting at Lebanon Baptist Church. Told me all about it. And I thought, okay, she's not going to know anybody else. Probably for the rest of her life, but when she, they open heaven's gates and she steps in, she's going to know Jesus. His word she had hidden in our hearts. She could quote scripture like nobody's business. Didn't remember anything else. But she knew the word of God and she knew the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know any of the word of God? You say, oh, no, I can't memorize anymore. Yeah, me neither. That's why I have to read it over and 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 over again. Until finally it starts to stick. Let's hurry on. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. Bless me, O Lord. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. God is blessed. What does blessed mean? It means he's not only happy, he's content. He doesn't need anything. Never has needed anything. He is holy, absolutely whole. That's why there's nobody else like him. He's the one and only. Absolutely whole in and of himself. Self-existent, self-sufficient, 
all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, always present in every generation. He is in the Garden of Eden, and He is in this present day, and He is in heaven in the future. He is, not will be, and not not has been. He is. Time is linear for us. With God, it's all laid out there. He sees it all at one time. I don't know about you, but that kind of boggles my mind. My little finite mind doesn't think in infinite terms. Do you want your life to be blessed? Then draw close to God. Seek after God. Learn His statutes. Learn what He wants. He goes on. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. That means David is not only learning the scriptures, he's sharing them with others. David not only knows what the Old Testament scriptures say, he's teaching them to his children. Just like Deuteronomy chapter 6 says. Teach them to your children. In the morning when they get out of bed, when you sit down to eat, when you walk through the day, when you come home at night, teach your children the Word of God. That's what David said he did. That's a good way for your life to be blessed. Share the Word of God with others. And then he says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Now, if you pull that verse out by itself and just look at it for a minute, you'll be stunned. David was as interested in memorizing and obeying Scripture as he was in making money. What? What? David understood. Peter was talking with Jesus in one of the Gospels, and he said to Jesus, Lord, we've given up everything for you. Peter had a good fishing business. He and his brother, Andrew. And James and John, their dad was a successful fisherman. He had a house in Bethsaida. He had a big house in Jerusalem. And, and Peter says, Lord, we've given up everything. What's it going to do for us? We've given up everything to follow you. There's the key, to follow you. And Jesus said to him, Peter, nobody has given up anything in this life to follow me, but I will return it to him a hundredfold here and in the life to follow. Okay? A hundredfold. That is 10,000% interest. Okay? I love banks because they have increased my vocabulary so much. Did you know that super high can be as small as 0.01%? Bank of America, they were off in money market rates. Super high interest rates, 0.01%. Not 0.1, 1.01%. 1, uh, 
one-tenth of one percent interest. What? That's nuts. In fact, I went to the bank vice president and I said, do you all have a, a glossary or a dictionary? And she said, what, do you need to see one? I said, no. I just need to explain to me how 0.01% is anywhere close to super high interest rates. And she started laughing. She said, yeah, I know. And I said, okay. So Bank of America doesn't have a problem with lying, right? (laughs) Sure enough. That was true. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, or 24, verse 35, he said, heaven and earth shall pass away. That's the globe on which we live and the atmosphere around it. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Okay? That means everything you have accumulated, everything you're holding on to so tightly, everything you have stockpiled is going to melt with a fervent heat, First Peter said going to melt with a fervent heat. It's going to be gone. Poof. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So you want to look for something that's eternal. Something's going to last long term. I've shared with you before. I only do long term investing. Okay? I only invest for 150,000 years out. Or a hundred years out. Okay? I'm making my investment in God's work so that when I get to heaven, it'll be there because you can't take it with you. You can only send it ahead. Do you consider the Word of God to be at least as important as making money? Move on, verse 15, verse, uh, yeah, verse 15. I will meditate in this thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. It is so easy to argue with people. All you have to do is take an opposing view. And I'm willing to take a view I don't even agree with for the sake of argument. Okay? I just think it's fun. However, I have never won an argument. Okay? You say, what do you mean by the case? I mean, I have convinced people of the truth of my viewpoint, but I have never changed their minds. That's the only way to win an argument. And I've lost friends attempting to win an argument. So it's not worth it. But I do enjoy a lively discussion. But I have never in my life been able to argue with God successfully. I have never changed His mind and I've never changed His word. Do you think about, do you meditate on what the Word of God says and do you respect His words? Let me, let me share with you quickly one verse that will help you to see how, how vital that is. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law 
shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. What I have discovered is when people want to be successful, they begin to ignore the Word of God, and they end up with ruined lives. But when we meditate on the Word of God and we try to do what the Word of God says, we suddenly find ourselves under the spout where the blessings pour out. And He just overwhelms us with His love and His goodness. And finally, verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Do you delight in God's word? Or does it make you feel guilty? Do you delight in God's word or does it just point out all the problems in your life and make you defensive? Huh? Because it doesn't have to be that way. You can yield to the Word of God and obey the Word of God and delight in the Word of God and He will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the things you want most. What I find is young people take their future and they bring it to the altar of the present and they sacrifice it so they can do what they want to do now and it destroys their future. That is so tragic. That is so tragic. For the sake of popularity or the sake of friendship, they'll do things that they know the Word of God says not to do. They'll do things that the Spirit of God in their hearts, their conscience tells them, don't do that. Just because a friend says, here, try this. Or, if you really love me, you will. And they wreck their future. Sacrifice it on the altar of the present. And then grow up and live out their lives with regrets. That is so sad. You say, Brother Casey, what if I've already done that? Have I got a deal for you? Say, what? Have I got a deal for you? First of all, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm not talking about knowing about Him. I'm not talking about knowing that He died on the cross for your sin, that He was buried and He rose again the third day. I'm talking about having gone to Him and told Him that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and you're asking Him to forgive you and to save you. If you have done that, praise the Lord. If you have not done that,